This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hi, everybody. Cheryl Kay from Unleashed. Today, I am honored to have an animal author who does wonderful children's books all about dogs, rabbits, and her name is Nancy Firstinger, and she's going to be on with us today, and we're going to talk about two books that I've uncovered. Her new one is The Duchess and Guy, which is about Meghan Markle, you know, marrying the prince and running off to England with her dog. And then we're going to talk about Maggie's second chance, which to me is a delightful, happy ending story. Welcome, Nancy. I'm so glad you could be with us today. Thank you for having me here, and thanks for that great introduction. My pleasure. So let's talk about The Duchess and Guy, because that's your newest book that you've been promoting for the last couple of weeks. And it's a great children's book, great text, and you have a wonderful illustrator that works with you. Oh, thank you. Um, Actually, the publisher connects you with the illustrator, and usually you have no interaction at all. In fact, you might be not so pleasantly surprised when the book comes out. But in this case, I did have some input into the illustrations, although Julia, who actually lives in Madrid, Spain, I knew she would bring her own vision to the book and her illustrations are awesome. Yes, they are. And I heard and all of the outfits in the book that Meghan Markle and the Queen wear are actually authentic. So it's pretty cool. But she's really a cat person, but I I love how she gave life to Guy the Beagle. Right, right. And really, the moral of the story is how he injects his personality because he's not a royal. And, you know, he's had certainly much more freedom in his romping around no matter where he was. But the bottom line is when we adopt these pets, if you've ever seen videos, and we've all have, of what happens to an animal when he knows that leash goes on and he's walking out, that they do feel like a prince or royalty. Exactly. And I've witnessed that with my own dogs that I've adopted over the years. I currently have two of them and they just know the instant, as you said, um, when the leashes snapped on, they just know that they're going home. So how did you get the idea for this story? Other than, you know, they've been in the news and they got married in May and they're going to have a baby. But, you know, because she also is an animal lover. And of course, the queen is an animal lover with her. What's the name of those dogs that she has? They're so little with their little legs. They're adorable. Yeah, I actually had never heard of Meghan Markle. And I didn't even have a TV. So I did not watch the royal wedding. But right before Memorial Day weekend, my agent, John, who works in New York City, sent me an email and asked if I was a royal watcher, which I thought was a strange (laughs) (laughs) And I had to disappoint him and say, no, I had zero interest in the royal wedding. But he had attached an article about Meghan Markle's rescue dog. And he said that everybody in his office was obsessed by the royal wedding and They knew that I specialize in animal books for kids, particularly 
dog topics, and they thought it would be a terrific story for me to write, but there was a little glitch there that I had to write the story over Memorial Day weekend because... I know. It was a timely topic, and they wanted to get it out on submission as soon as possible. So I am not a quick writer, and I like to meander over my research to make sure, you know, everything is... Well, you have a lot of books out there. Yeah, I do. (laughs) I mean, you know, a lot, a lot. And you have some rabbit books also. Right, right. I also have rescued rabbits. So I... I wrote the story. It went out on submission. It got purchased right away. They loved it, and they had me completely rewrite it twice in two days each time. Wow. So it was um, each time it just strengthened the story. And Yeah, it's a delightful nowadays- story, and it's great for kids because my parents got a dog a year before I was born. I learned how to walk, you know, pull up on him, and it was a tricolor collie. I just feel that children who grow up with a pet, you know, learn a different kind of loyalty, love. First of all, they have a best friend no matter what, especially in the day and age today with bullying or being teased. It's just, you know, there are some people that come into rescuing a pet or getting a pet, you know, in their married life or when they're single. You know, maybe their parents didn't want one when they were younger or maybe they had a sibling that had an allergy. But there definitely is something about us as adults who grew up with with the love of a dog. Exactly. My parents told me the first word out of my mouth was dog, believe it or not. And of course, I started pestering them right away for a dog. And persistence finally paid off. And when I was 10, I got a wire hair fox terrier who I named Pretzel. Okay. And I was one of those very diligent kids who always walked and fed my dog and groomed him. But I, I think it's marvelous. And also there's studies out showing that Kids who grow up with a pet have less allergies. Right. It just makes them happier. I think, you know, I know like you asked and you got one when you were 10. I mean, I had two dogs. I had my dog, Brucey, who was the tricolor collie, and he lasted, you know, we had him for 13 years. And then we got a standard poodle, Brandy, Ah. and we had him for like 15 or 16 years. Wow. Longevity. Yeah, yeah. And he was, you know, black in color. You know, they got him from a groomer upstate New York somewhere. You know, of course, we know that in shelters today, you could get, you know, a full breed dog. And that's the first place you should look. I have a problem going to a shelter. I give you credit for being able to go in because (laughs) to me, it's heartbreaking. I deal with a lot of people that do rescue or foster and, you know, they're always advertising a dog. So it would be a lot easier for me to do it that way because if I could go into a shelter and feel comfortable, I would be taking pictures of these dogs all dressed up to help get them adopted because that does help. Oh, it definitely does, especially nowadays with um, social media. And that's exactly what I do. People have asked, you know, isn't it depressing volunteering for a shelter? I volunteer for my local SPCA here in Kingston, New York, and I think it's extremely uplifting. I like to interact with the public and tell them a little bit more about especially the rabbits and the small animals such as guinea pigs. And I love seeing when a match is made. We all celebrate that. Yeah, happy tails forever or ears for a rabbit. Yeah, Yeah, rabbits are the third most common pet and therefore they're the third most likely to end up in a shelter. But they're not easy starter pets like a lot of 
people are under the misconception. And there's a lot of different types of rabbits. There sure are. I have three myself, all rescued, and I tend to like the, the big dogs and the big rabbits. And I also have a rescued chinchilla. <laughs> oh, wow. And only one, right? Because they're pretty prolific as far as breeding. I had her for two years. I asked for the oldest, least adoptable female. And the rescue in Long Island said, well, we have one that matches that description. But when she gets angry or upset, she'll do something called defensive peeing, <laughs> which I had male rabbits who aren't neutered tend to do that. But female chinchillas. Right. So I saw it on YouTube and they actually stand up and they could squirt you between the eyes with deadly accuracy. Oh my God. But ever since she's been here, she has never done that. So, so there, she's think, in a cage, but your rabbits are loose or are they also in cages? No, she's in like a two story condo <laughs> and my rabbits are all house rabbits, free range, and they're all litter box trained. Yeah. They go in a litter box. Yeah, they're great. And my one dog, my Roddy mix, absolutely adores the rabbits. He'll go and he'll groom them. Whereas my lab, shepherd, hound, Rhodesian Ridgeback mix basically ignores them. And you so, have, you have uh, black dogs also, right? Yeah, I have two big black dogs, a big black rabbit, and two red-eye white rabbits that people seem to be creeped out by, but they have the most amazing personalities. So I've been trying to spread the word about that at the shelter, and I've gotten quite a few adopted, which is marvelous. God bless you. Well, we'll be right back after our sponsor. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Dynavite for life. Pick up two tubes of Dogosuds. Get the third tube free. Peppermint, tea tree, lavender, Dogosud shampoo. Made with all-natural coconut, jojoba, aloe. Great for healthy skin and soft, shiny coats. But no itchy, harsh chemicals. Lather up, rinse away. Try Dogosuds. Buy two, get one free. At Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, we're back now, and we were talking to Nancy, and she was telling us about her rabbits and all her animals. But I did want to touch on one thing, and that's black dogs. Black dogs, black cats, black rabbits. I know there are clubs in some parts of the country about people who rescue an animal who's black in color. And there are some people who don't want a black animal. And it just amazes me that even with an animal, we're, you know, judging the love and the loyalty and the type of animal it is by whether or not the color. Like some people, you know, maybe don't want a white dog, you know, a white husky or a white. My friends had a white shepherd when I was um, in in grade school and high school, that, you know, and uh, maybe because of shedding or is it just because they just like Halloween mentality, they feel like it's bad luck. What do you find about that? Um, well, I've all of my dogs that I've rescued have always been big black mutts, which are my favorite. And part of the problem is that they 
just blend into the shadows in the environment where they are, the Humane Society or the shelter or the SPCA or the rescue, and they're extremely difficult to get photographs of. Their features don't pop out. In fact, I even took a special photography class to particularly be able to capture the details of black dogs and I nearly cried with joy when I actually photographed a black dog and you could see, you know, the nose and the eyes, the expression. It was wonderful, which brings me to my, the other book I think you wanted to talk about. Maggie's Second Chance. I want you to talk about that because I think kids today are just amazing. You know, they are doing so many wonderful, heroic things in society. I don't know if they're learning it from their parents, God bless them, or maybe because social media, which maybe in kind does some good things. I I think for some children, social media and being on the internet and Facebook and is maybe too soon because, you know, they don't even socialize anymore. But this story resonated with me because they really did save the day and they did a wonderful thing. I mean, where I am in Florida, you know, no kill really maybe doesn't mean no kill. And of course, we know that when you register one, you know, when you rescue one dog and adopt one, you're really saving more than one that dog's life because there's another dog that could come in and hopefully get rescued. But, you know, there's just so many strays out there and people don't neuter and people just can be very unkind. They get a dog and then they don't want the dog. This is a lifetime commitment. And that's the way you have to look at it. There's no, there's no bringing the dog back, as in my mind. So this story is really a very sweet story. Why don't you tell us about that? Because this, I think, universally for even older children. I mean, I think this boy in the book is what fifth grade, fourth grade, and um, picture books you usually envision from um, preschool, maybe through second grade. But I specifically, when I do school visits. I specifically asked for fourth graders because this shows that um, kids have the power to make a difference. And when I talk about this specific example, their jaws drop open. Um, This book I actually came up with on my own. I had written a middle grade book called ASPCA Kids, Kids Making a Difference for Animals. And within it, I had... um, kids from around the country and actually around the world who had done amazing things to help out animals, both domestic and wild. And one of the stories that really captured my attention was about a fourth grade class in Dalhart, Texas, who uh, the reading teacher asked them to bring in a picture, sort of like for show and tell. One boy brought in a picture of an older black lab that had been um, run in the newspaper for adoption and asked what happens if this dog doesn't get adopted. And the teacher, to her credit, she was did not honest. Want to... Yeah, she was honest. And um, the kids were just, they just were incredulous about how many animals were being killed by their small Texas pound each year, around 700 dogs a year. So they banded together and they started their own shelter, and this was in 2003, and I believe they've rescued more than 15,000 animals so far, which is just... just it's wonderful. And, and what is the name of it? Dogs? D-A-W-G-S? D-A-W-G-S, dogs. 
and it's still going. Each fourth grade class subsequently, you know, takes over, but some of the kids who have obviously graduated because it began in 2003 return and help find more homes for dogs and raise funds. And it's just really incredible that the the power that kids have to make a difference. I have to say the town really, really, you know, went out of their way to allow this to happen. I mean, right, the land, they built something and, you know, everybody got involved and that's that's community. Yes, definitely. And it's actually two nonfiction stories interwoven together because The dog in the book, who's named Maggie, but whose real name was Jolly, was a dog I rescued from my neighborhood. She had been abandoned in a house when the people were evicted, and this was prior to foreclosures when this became really common. And they up and left her in the middle of the winter, no heat, no food, no water, no electricity. So I liberated her, shall we say. And I had two other big dogs at the time, another Roddy Mix and a Lab. And she was a big, another big black dog, a shepherd lab mix. And I was theoretically going to foster her and find her a home. Yeah, right. And I I know how that works. Yeah, you know how that works. That's the puppy dog close to the limit. Yeah. Many people called from, from New York City and they were interested in her. And I said, there are so many big black dogs languishing in shelters. Please adopt one because after... 12 hours, I knew she was not going anywhere. But I specified when I found the publisher, this was before I had an agent, I specified that I wanted the dog in the book to be a big black dog because of the reasons we discussed. So I was really thrilled when Joe Hyatt, who's done another book for this publishing company, the Griffin Press, I I saw illustrations and they were just marvelous. Oh no, it's it's a wonderful, wonderful book and it's a great story. And I love that you that you write things like that because, first of all, children today should read. I always read as a child. I mean, I got a book every month, The Happy Hollisters, Nancy Drew. And for something like this, and children could identify and want to do something good, hey, you never know. There could be a child that's reading your book that maybe wants to go to a shelter and walk a dog there. You know, a lot of times they look for people who want to help out, you know, to take the dogs outside. A lot of the pictures I've seen on Long Island for the Huntington Shelter and mm-hmm. uh, Little Shelter, they take a lot of the pictures of the dogs outside. But there was this famed photographer. He used to do models. And he went to the shelter and he did a whole bunch of close-ups on these pets. And every single one was adopted. You know, he put a hat on, he put a necklace on, but they were fabulous pictures And I think he had a book made of it, but they all got adopted, and that's what the goal is. Well, we'll be right back, and we're going to take a message from our sponsor. Okay, time to call off the dogs. We'll be back with more biting topics right after we kibble a little with our sponsors. Molly, here's your dinner. (coughs) Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your cat tree tray today 
Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Pet we're back, everybody, and we're talking to Nancy, and uh, she's written a couple, many, I shouldn't say a couple, of children's <laughs> books all about animals, and we were talking about Maggie's Second Chance and her new book out that is uh, The Duchess and Guy. And we were just talking. She's very involved with the ASPCA. And, you know, if um, you want to talk a little bit about that, because that's a very big agency. And you see the commercials all the time about rescuing these, these dogs and these cats. And, you know, especially in the winter, it breaks our hearts. And that's what's been all over social media all of these animals that have been chained outside, left outside, abandoned, oh. you know, dropped off. You know, people people just suck sometimes. I mean, the way they yeah, treat animals. It. It, it's just, and if you treat an animal like that, it's just beyond me how anybody could be so cruel. So true. And actually, I, I volunteer with my local SPCA, which is people are under the misconception that they're affiliated with the ASPCA, which is a national organization based in Manhattan that was founded by Henry Berg more than 150 years ago. And I know about him because I wrote a middle grade book about Yay, him called Murphy. <laughs> Yay! And, um, but the SPCAs are small independent organizations that rely on volunteers and donations from the public. They are not funded at all by the ASPCA, which people don't realize. But I like to go there and do outreach And I do meet with a lot of kids that are both readers and animal lovers, which is the best possible combination. When I do school and library visits and I do a lot of book festivals and I tell kids that rescued dogs rock, they'll save two lives when they adopt the life of the new pet and the life of another homeless dog who will fill the empty space at the shelter. And the kids are really gung-ho to adopt animals and a lot of them do end up coming to the shelter, and if they can't adopt, like you were saying, they could do many different things to... They read to them. You, we've all seen the pictures of kids outside the cages reading to the dogs, and it really helps the dog, number one, calm down, because we really don't know what kind of baggage these animals, unless you know they were dropped off, and I don't believe a lot of what the owners say when they surrender, because uh, I have a Maine Coon. Oh, Best beautiful. $100 I ever spent... Very dog-like. I would. Any, I have two cats, and I have a tiger, and I'm. I want another dog. But this, when I first got this cat, they told me they surrendered it because it didn't get along with dogs. Well, my friends came over with their dog, and this cat. Matter of fact, when I brought this cat, which was replacing a cat that I lost, because my female who had never been alone was devastated, and she took one sniff of him, and she ran under the bed. 
he spent the entire night under the bed just staying there with her. I mean, this cat was loved. He was chipped. Unfortunately, they did, you know, do his his front paws, which I have never done, and he was fixed. But the next time I went back to that shelter, because I've been there a couple of times, you know, drop off sheets, towels, whatever. Yes. I met the person, you know, the owner there, and I said, oh, I had Poof Poof, which I've named Daniel Boone. And she said, yeah, (laughs) I found him in my backyard. And she doesn't live near houses. So she just made up that story. Maybe she thought it would sound better why anybody would just let this cat. But this cat, not skittish, just the friendliest animal. First of all, it's the sweetest animal I have ever had, and I've had a lot of cats. But and very dog-like. He's my sous chef because when I cook, he's always <laughs> in the kitchen watching like, do you need help? But the <laughs> sweetest thing, and he likes to lay on my chest, and he's big. And it's like he weighs nothing. And, you know, sometimes when I'm sitting in the chair watching TV and I happen to put my hand on my bed, you know, because my chair is next to the bed, he like tries to hold hands with me. Loving animals. Oh There's nothing like a rescued animal because... They are so grateful. We've all seen those pictures of them smiling or jumping up or just totally being swept up in the moment of, geez, I am lucky. And that's how they feel. And they're the loyalist. They are. There's nothing you need in this world that you can't get at a thrift store, a pawn shop, or a shelter, as far as I'm concerned. Unless you have to have new clothes, I mean. Well, I agree when I was trying to find the plot line for The Duchess and Guy, which has a really cool subtitle, A Rescue to Royalty Puppy Love Story. I decided that the real Cinderella story was not about an actress finding her Prince Charming. It's really about a homeless hound whose right. new home palace. And Guy, who's a beagle, was most likely a discarded hunting dog because I interviewed the shelter coordinator at the shelter in Kentucky where he came from and she said that beagles there are I love this this quote are like raindrops in the ocean there's just so many of them which is why he was eventually and yet on Long Island there's so many pit bulls and here too and they really are good dogs you know I think it's they get a bad rap there are some that could be aggressive of course but I think it's all about how you care for a dog train a dog and love a dog you could make you know a poodle a miniature poodle an aggressive dog if you're not kind you have to be kind to your animal right yeah we have quite a few pit bulls at our shelter and they are my one of my favorite breeds they were originally called the nanny dogs right right they babysat yeah Yeah, they babysat kids and there was even a patriotic pit bull named sergeant stubby in world war one i also wrote about him (laughs) in another book and all of the ones i've met have they're just big sloppy kissers and they just want to sit in your lap and go outside and play ball. And what you said about the photographs is so true. I've seen some really horrible photographs of the dogs, you know, in intake when they first come in and they're behind bars and they look horrible. And if you have the right photograph to highlight that dog, he or she will be... Well, they're stressed out. I mean, you know, the way you said it in Maggie's Second Chance, you know, she waited for the owners to come back. She waited, she waited, the door opened... They picked up a suitcase and they left. I mean, heartbreaking. And that happens. 
I'm sure in every town in this country, people just drop off animals when they don't want them off in certain areas. And it's just not right. I mean, don't get a dog if you're not going to be committed because the taking of a dog and bringing it back just adds to the baggage. And first of all, I believe in like you have. You know, today people have two cars. They have, you know, so many, you know, devices. You know, there's nothing wrong if you live in a good size home to have two dogs. Number one, especially if you have an older dog and as the dog ages, you get a a younger dog. I'm not saying a pup. Um, right. But you get a, a younger dog that, number one, is will be company for the older dog and maybe could learn things along the way. I mean, what's another can of food, quite frankly? Exactly. And people don't realize that about one quarter of the dogs in shelters are purebred. So yes. if you want a dog like a beagle or a corgi. You could get anything. Plus, there's all of these rescue groups. If you want a schnauzer, if you want a poodle, you know, uh, sometimes they have mixed breeds. But, you know, and fostering is very important, too, because a lot of times you deal with some people who foster online. They talk about the dog. He's great with kids. He's great with other pets. You know, you know, he's got right. a great personality. So you get to know. But I think I think with a lot of these fosters, when they do get the dogs adopted, they do a home visit. Oh, for sure. I fostered many, many dozens of rabbits. I'm a member of the House Rabbit Society, so I knew their personalities. And yes, rabbits do have individual personalities. And we had an extensive adoption form that people would fill out. And then we would do home visits to make sure, you know, the home was specifically entailed for rabbits and that the rabbit wasn't going to be stuck outdoors in a hutch and a lot of follow-up. I'm still in touch with a lot of the people nowadays and they send me photographs. It's really heartwarming because of course you want to keep them all, but it just opens up a space for another one. Right. Do you bring any of your dogs with you when you go to schools to read your books? I actually brought Jolly, who was the real Maggie. Oh, that must have been a thrill. Yeah, she even went to a a book festival and stayed there all day, and she was just enthralled by all the intention. And I have a a book by the same publisher called The Forgotten Rabbit about a big white bunny with pink eyes who is based on my rabbit marshmallow who was stuck outdoors in a tiny cage, not even a hutch, for three years until she was rescued and transformed into a house rabbit and who did agility. So I brought her to school visits and I would have 50 kindergartners sitting in a circle and I told them, now just sit there quietly and see if she comes up to you. And they were just mesmerized. And to get 50 you know, kindergartners to be quiet for more than two seconds, it was pretty miraculous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, kids and animals and, you know, dogs could do wonderful thing. You know, the hospitals with sick kids or with chemotherapy patients, there's some, there's some animals that are comfort dogs that are trained to go into a hospital and to be able to navigate that. I mean, they just bring us comfort. And however it started off to help us hunt, the dog itself has become domesticated and has become our best buddy. And you could just tell when people lose their pets, they're devastated because truly they are a member of our family. They are. And there's actually grief counseling nowadays. There's cards written about you lost your pet. Right. And there's books too. I don't have one out, but there's quite a few books for kids 
who have lost their pets. What's up next for you? What are you writing about next? Believe it or not, pigs. (laughs) Well, this is the year of the pigs. You better hurry up. Chinese New Year. I know, I know. I didn't even realize that, but I've always been fascinated by pigs. And they are really fascinating. They are smart and friendly. All these people who adopted or got these little pigs and they turned into be huge. There was this one couple. They ended up selling their house. They bought a farm because they couldn't get yep. rid of I mean, this thing was as big as that's, a tractor. That's Esther the Wonder Pig up in, uh, they started a sanctuary. And I actually live in between two farm animal sanctuaries. I volunteered with one for around a year back when they had rabbits. And I'm just enthralled by pigs. They're like the smartest. They're the fourth smartest animals, smarter than dogs. Right. They're just amazing. But once again, people really, really, really need to do their research before they adopt an yeah, animal. Because they'll because- eat everything in your house. They'll eat your cabinets. You know, they really are. You know, you have to be, you know, it's got to be a special situation. I really enjoyed talking with you today, and I hope we could do this again. And may I give you an idea for a new book? Oh, yes. The Greyhounds. Ah, the Greyhounds. Yes. I mean, they need to be brought to the forefront. People need to know more about them because they are like little pussycats couch potatoes. But, you know, they uh, they stopped the uh, dog racing down in Florida and I think someplace else where they did it. And I think there's quite a, I think there's close to 30,000 of them that, you know, will go up for adoption. I mean, some of them will be older, of course, but added that to what everybody else, for the people who don't, you know, uh, spay and neuter their animals, you know. Uh, it's you know there's 330 million people in this country and there's no reason why any animal should be in a shelter matter of fact i think during the christmas holiday montana one of those states they had all of their dogs adopted by uh the holidays and hopefully and hopefully it wasn't just a christmas present and, you know, they returned it afterwards. So, you know, I want to be kept apprised, and I would love to keep in touch with you. You were a pleasure. And once Thanks. again, Nancy Firstinger and her new book out is The Duchess and Guy, and the book we were talking about is Maggie's Second Chance. She's a prolific writer on animals, rabbits. And, Nancy, because I'm going to maybe steal it from you, why don't you tell <laughs> the the, uh, the crowd listening what your um, salutation on your email says. Oh, my gosh. Terrific. Am I allowed? Can I say that online? Why not? <laughs> okay. Think it's tough putting on a condom. Try doing it with paws and claws. I love it. Please spay, neuter your pet. I am so adamant that every animal gets spayed and neutered right. that goes out of the shelter because that's one way to combat the pet overpopulation problem. Right. Right. Well, it was a pleasure, and I wish you a lovely day, and I want to thank you again, and I want to tell all our viewers, go out. Her books are terrific for kids. It'll enlighten them as far as maybe wanting to get a pet, the responsibility of having a pet. And if you have any questions or suggestions, contact me at Pet Life Radio. And I want to wish everybody to have a wonderful day. I want to thank Mark and live your life unleashed. Bye-bye. See you next time. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.